Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Virago Podcast, a monthly celebration of books, reading, and writing, brought to you by Virago Press the international publisher of Books by Women. Hi, I'm Sarah Sabat, publisher of Virago, and I'm here with Carolina Donahue, who is about to publish her first novel, Promising Young Women, on the 7th of June. And it's the, it was the first novel that I bought when I got to Virago, so it's sort of my debut too, but... <laughs> um, and I've, yeah, so Caroline and I have been working together for... Almost two years now. I can't believe it's that long. It's incredible, isn't it? You for two years. Um, It's 24 periods. (laughs) (laughs) Depends if you put run two bags together. Anyway. (laughs) Oh my Um, god, yeah, put them together. Yeah. So many more. (laughs) So many moon cycles, my friend. Forever we are bonded. Exactly. We've had a Twitter exchange about menstrual cups, so you know it's 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 all out between us. But yeah, so we're here to talk about your book, um, and um, it's it's a book that I absolutely love, and it's been really exciting because over the last kind of six months, we've had early proofs in and gotten some early reads, both in house and on Amazon, and people are loving what I love about the book, which is that you know you start it and you think like, okay, this is a sort of love story that might go a bit wrong, but then actually it goes wrong in lots of unexpected ways, and it's sort of darker and weirder and edgier. than, than you expect um, and it's very timely which maybe we can talk about um, but anyway that's what I love about the book but I would love you to just tell tell us what's the book about um, well <clears throat> sorry <laughs> um, in, in short on a basic plot level it is about a, a young woman called Jane she's 26 years old um, and she's sort of woken up in that very quarter life crisis way it's kind of a trendy way of putting that but her um Her sort of big kind of post-university relationship has broken down. With it, she sort of lost the friend group of like smug coupled up people that she made while in that relationship. Mm -hmm. She's looking around and realizing that she's not really put a life together in this however many years, three or four years she's been in London. She doesn't really have any close friends. She's been working at this job very low level in an advertising agency, and uh, but not really made any headway. She's just kind of another face among the crowd there. Um, And she's like, oh, wow, I have nothing. (laughs) I truly have nothing. The one thing she does have, though, is that she has this online presence called um, Jolly Politely, Dear Jolly, 
um, who gives this very acerbic kind of uh, occasionally compassionate advice. Mm -hmm. And this is the kind of place where Jane's sort of promise of the title is kind of realized. And uh, so she kind of potters through this and then she eventually... uh, probably because of her vulnerability being in this position, she has an affair with her much older uh, male boss, Clem. And after that, uh, yeah, he's also married, if I didn't mention that, <laughs> which also always throws this banner in the works. <laughs> um, and as, as their relationship progresses, we see she kind of loses herself in this um, affair, uh, not just emotionally, but very literally. So mm. we see her body starts to change. Um, her reactions to things become very uh, unreliable and she sort of falls down this sort of rabbit hole of, of darkness and strangeness that we follow throughout the book. Mm. So it was a really long elevator pitch. <laughs> it was like an elevator pitch with stuck on the 11th floor. <laughs> I haven't taught my author how to do an elevator pitch. No, um, one thing I wanted to mention is that um, is the timeliness and um, uh, you know post me too, but obviously you started writing this book Way before that, way before um, that, yeah. which you know, I can attest to. I believe you know I, we acquired the book before that all happened. Yeah, well, um, November twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So way before me too. Um, and I wondered how, uh, yeah, sort of how you found that sort of knowing that you're writing a book about this subject, which is suddenly yeah. like in all the news headlines, and how does that feel? It's incredibly strange because uh, I mean, for me, yes, it is in all the news headlines, but it almost feels like oh, people finally care mm. do you know what I mean it, it's not it's not that this is suddenly topical because there's been a burst of sexual harassment yeah. it's because there's been <laughs> sexual abuse and sexual assaults in with the workplace for mm. ever since there's been a mixed workplace right mm. or even not necessarily abuse that's powered by gender there's always been abuse where there's power and that's what work is about it's about people trying to struggle for power so that it's always it's, it's a fascinating subject and obviously really compelling when you're a young woman because you find yourself on the receiving end of Mm. so much kind of power imbalances at work. Um, And so it's funny that like people are kind of pretending that it's come out of nowhere or that there's Mm. a, there's a rash of sexual assault when really this has been in the water for such a long time. Mm. And it's only now just reaching a boiling point. Um, So it was very, it's very funny because like a lot of conversations I'm having, people are kind of like, well, did you know? (laughs) (laughs) Were you tipped off kind of thing? Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, of course not. No, but it's also, what I find incredibly strange is, um, so the, I think it was like London Book Fair or one of the big book fairs where your agent sells off the international rights or mm-hmm. the film rights or whatever, all the bits and pieces that come with your book, they, they sell them off at those big mm-hmm. book fairs that happen. And um, this particular book fair, it could have been London, it could have been Frankfurt, uh, happened uh, the week of the Harvey Weinstein mm-hmm. allegations. And I remember thinking it was like two in the morning and I was like, oh my God, I could be the one person who benefits from this. Do you know what I mean? Like literally I've written this book about sexual assault in the workplace and the biggest sexual assault in the workplace story just come out. Am I going to like make money off of it? And then I was literally like four in the morning thinking like it would be very unethical for me to make lots of money when poor, you know, Salma Hayek has had to suffer. Yeah. And then I was kind of like almost primed and waiting for like my agent to call me with with this huge news that someone's offered me a million pounds. (laughs) to to publish the book book in America or something and I assumed that people would would want it more and um, then nothing happened and I assumed that whatever news my agent had she was saving for in person (laughs) and then we actually met up and we went for lunch and we were uh, and I remember where we were we were walking in Regent's Park and she said 
Yeah. Um, so it seems like it's only topical on an online level. <laughs> and and that, you know, people are happy to sort of like and retweet stories about mm. women brought low by terrible men. But in terms of large companies putting large amounts of money behind art that examines it... Mm. Like people are still conservative. People don't want to put this book in in Walmart. Do you know what I mean? Or or what, whatever sure, the case may yeah. be. So it's a really really long rant. But I was just thinking about it a long t- a lot today, being like, oh, people are talking about how timely this is and how yeah. that was actually that's bound to like you know make me a very uh, zeitgeisty author. But really, I don't think people vote with their wallets as much as they think mm-hmm. they do. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I have to say, you know, because obviously you wrote the book and and I bought it, you know, way before me too, and. Um, and I mean, the thing that I loved about the book is that as how you combine humor and darkness. And I think that I, I always love that when something um, makes me laugh, which this book makes me laugh out loud, but also is like really dark and sort of has a yeah. like gothic feel, which um, we've got sort of hand with like thorns that sort of, you know, put thorns around it on the cover, which is like sort of trying to convey that. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, neither of us kind of uh, embarked on the book for you know for this sort of timely reason now but I wondered if you could say to sort of back up and say what did prompt you to to write the book I know that's always a difficult question but yeah, could no, you describe the, the seed of it um well the sort of the seed of it was very um almost boring and business-like in that um a publisher another publisher approached me um to to write a book to write a novel um, after they had seen some of my journalism mm. and um, I had written some short stories and I thought oh yeah sure I'll, I'll always want to take a crack at a novel and now is the time clearly the the, the, the fates have divined this and um, so I wrote um, like a sample which is about 20,000 words and I sent it to the publisher through my agent and what was very clear from it is that it had it started off as this almost like Bridget Jones type romance because essentially when I met with this publisher they said we want a Bridget Jones right, type okay. romance. <laughs> so you, um, and I love, and I yeah. love, I love Bridget. I think yeah. I genuinely think it's a modern classic, and I say that with no irony whatsoever. And I love writers like Nick Hornby. So I was totally prepared to write that book. And then the more I wrote, the more this sort of weird shadow kind of started like creeping mm. in, like that Game of Thrones baby. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Just like crawling under the castle gates, <laughs> killing the king, um, and the sort of darkness came into it. And I realized that um, that I had a lot of like anger. That I, you know, what I was fascinated by really wasn't so much romance. It wasn't so much like quirky single girl adventures, but, you know, what people do at work, how they're treated. And I was sort of, I've never had an affair with anybody in the workplace, um, but that sort of initial power dynamic of like how young women are treated at work and how they're sort of. I don't know, their promise, if you will, mm, mm, mm. how that sort of works two ways and that you can be really, really, a really promising young person, but you you rarely see women past the stage of promising. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like female excellence isn't mm. rewarded as much as a female who could be excellent. Yeah. If, you know, if you gave her another year. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do promising young women turn into? Yeah, yeah, right? What's the, what's the word for that? Yeah. Completely. Woman? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like promising in that sense is about, you know, both the sort of potential that you show, but also the kind of packs and contracts you have to make with people mm. along the way in order for that potential to be realized into mm. anything real. Um, sorry, that, that probably skittered no. all over the place no. as an answer. No, 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 that's, no, that's really interesting. Um, and I, yeah, and I think it gives people who haven't read the book yet a, a sense of, yeah, some of the themes of the book and, and what you're exploring. Um and it was interesting, you mentioned, obviously, that this other publisher had approached you because you were a journalist and you'd been writing short mm-hmm. stories. And 
Um, I know you have your own podcast, The School for Dumb Women. Um, you're a musician, which I feel like actually we've never really talked about. But, um, <laughs> I assume when no one talks to me about music, it's because they've listened to it. Okay. <laughs> and they would be... I actually haven't even listened to it. Sorry. Oh my That's god! A terrible confession. <laughs> Breaking news. How dare you? I thought you just tactfully didn't like no. it and weren't bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to talk about music. I can talk about books, but not music. It's fine. Um, but this is all to say that um, it just struck, you know, it struck, it struck me when I was sort of making a list of all these roles that you have. Like, that you, you're obviously incredibly creative. You have a sort of maybe classic millennial portfolio career. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> but also that you, yeah, all of the, you have lots of ways to tell stories. And I wonder mm. why, uh, yeah, w- sort of what appealed to you about fiction, I guess, and what you felt like you could do through a novel that you couldn't maybe do through a, a yeah. piece of journalism or a song or a podcast. Yeah, no, it, it is interesting because um, I think once I got into my head what it is I wanted to do with the novel, uh, aside from the fact that somebody said, do you want to write a novel? Sure. But and then, and then I, they ended up not being the right publisher for me and, and luckily I found you. Ah, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, us. <laughs> um, uh, there was, I, like, I definitely wanted to have that thing of like, that I think you can only really get with a novel of um, sort of, like a few different publishers said to me that they wanted my, or they seemed to hint that they wanted essentially what I do with my journalism in book form, and mm. they wanted they. I think if I had tried to sell a book of essays, maybe that could have worked as well. Sure, yeah. uh, I'm sure there was probably at least somebody who might have bought that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with a novel, I think, I think like what art's job is fundamentally, what fiction's job is, is that like it makes you anti-intellectualized things mm. and it makes you sort of not think academically about oh god like x percentage of women feel uncomfortable at work because of their sexuality mm. but actually like glance through this keyhole of what it actually feels mm. to be exploited mm. and not what it is to be and i think that like the power in that felt really potent and also that the the feeling of like establishing a world that feels very sensible and very orderly and then dismantling it the way it happens in promising young women the way um, Jane's sort of sanity slips away from her. It felt like the kind of thing that could only be communicated in a novel. Mm, Do you mm. agree? Yeah, yeah. No, and that that's part of the what uh, another aspect of the book that I really loved from the beginning was that it's not. It, yeah, it's not black and white. It, it's sort of it, it. You know, it is her relationship. Jane's relationship with Clem is sexy as well as very yeah. disturbing, and you kind of get wrapped up in it yourself as the reader. And yeah, and that yeah. sort of you have that like emotional feeling about yeah. It, uh, that, yeah, that emotional kind of sense about the, their affair and it's not as I mean he is exploiting her but it, it you you have that sense yeah. where you're in the middle of it and it doesn't feel that clear and do you know what that, I was actually yeah. thinking that because remember when like Me Too first happened mm. and there was like so many women you knew from all different walks of your life going on Facebook going on Twitter and either just simply doing the hashtag or doing like long sort of essays almost yeah. about what they had been through and I was thinking there because at that point I had already handed in the final draft of this book and it was probably, you know, going to prove at that point. Um, but I thought, like, oh, I wonder if Jane would say this. I wonder if she would do Such a Me a Too, question. you know? Yeah, yeah. What, and what do you think? I don't know. I think probably... I think she is someone who, even by the end of the book, when she... You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but she sort of breaks off this relationship, this terrible mm. relationship... I think it'll probably take her at least another six months to a year to understand the level of, like, manipulation that goes on. Mm. And I think that's the same for so many women. Yeah. And why Me Too was such a huge moment, because it made women, like, examine their own past and be like, oh, that was exploitative, or oh, that Mm. was sexist, or whatever, Mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's such an interesting question. Um, 
So I just had, a, yeah, a couple more. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Questions for you um, before we move on to the second Ooh, bit of the, <laughs> the conversation. Um, so I guess first was uh, what's, just going back to you being a debut novelist, what's been the biggest surprise about being a debut novelist? And your novel isn't even quite officially out I know, yet. I know, I <laughs> know. Like, it, I mean, it's not out for another two weeks. It's two weeks? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe two yeah. Um, so there are still so many things I'm going to learn. Mm. Um, and I'm, I think I hardly scratched the surface of what it's going to be like to be a debut novelist. But the one thing I am, um, I actually was, talking about this today with a friend over coffee and um I realized that I'd become much more fragile in the last sort of six months than I thought that I was ever going to be because I remember when um because I've been in I've you know lived in London for uh, seven years almost eight years um and for the first four or five of them it was trying to convince people and try to bash down doors and being like I'm worth it and like I, mm-hmm. I can write and I'm really good and, and you should have me on your team and, mm-hmm. and starting these really terrible jobs and sort of gradually working my way up to something that resembled a career and I remember just having like the most ironclad self-confidence through that entire time because it felt so important that like when people turned me down or rejected me I could just feel, oh my god, that's so sad for you. <laughs> and I remember, like, I remember my first like um, short story rejection that I got. Well, and I got a bunch of them, but I remember thinking, God, that's so unfortunate for them. Like that they don't realize how wrong they are. <laughs> like it was just like this literal, like, like stupid level of self confidence that didn't make any sense or had any like mm. bearing or <laughs> evidence or anything. Um, and then since I've started having reviews come in and like people tweeting me saying they enjoy it yeah. or whatever. Um, I've realized that my faith in myself has entirely transposed onto the opinions of other people, mm. which ne- was never the case before because nobody cared about me before. <laughs> and now, like ten people have like written a review, and I'm like, oh god, what they say must be true, yeah. you know? So I'm trying really, really hard to like try and get back that sort of yeah. egomania. <laughs> I feel like I've ruined your life. I'm sorry. <laughs> you have. You've ruined my life <laughs> with your lovely money and success. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that, yeah, it, it is hard. And it, it also because now with social media and Amazon, like it's all public, you know. Oh, yeah. Everyone can see the totally. reviews and they stay there. And yeah, I mean, luck, luckily they've all been, they've made it yeah. very nice. So far. <laughs> no, I, no, I should say, like, I don't want to be that person who's like, God, it's terrible to have opportunities. Yeah, yeah. But um, this has been wonderful and amazing. And just, and not to be like incredibly corny, but just meeting so many people who have this, who feel the same way about mm. things as you do, which I've like, which is experience I've had at Little Brown. Um, and Virago in like that's amazing and it's amazing to get to talk to people about your art so much and but 
the anxiety is real. Like I used to yeah. think people were just kind of saying that for mm-hmm. show, but it's totally real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, I guess this sort of leads on to the, the last question I was going to ask you, um, which is about. So you mentioned that Jane, the the main character isn't you know in her sort of day daytime life of working in working in this office is not very sure of herself and is getting sort of mixed messages about mm-hmm. whether she's promising or not and yeah. um but then she has this alter ego of um of Dolly Politely who's sort of very sure of herself oh and, sure and, yeah and confident this ironclad ironclad <laughs> confidence sorry that you, that you mentioned um and I wondered well, yeah what's your relationship with advice columnists like why did that why was that appealing to write about oh, do you yeah. write to advice columnists or no I've, ne- I've never written to one because I, I like opened many drafts okay <laughs> um, um but then I um I would realize that I wasn't trying, I wasn't looking for a solution as much as I was trying to impress the advice columnist <laughs> with my skill. Um, but uh, I listen and read a lot of advice uh, columns and podcasts. Um, so Dear Prudence, which is done by Daniel Mallory Orthberg, mm-hmm. is like one of my favorites. Um, obviously, Cheryl Strayed yeah. is like the best. Amazing. Like you, you yeah. even like forget about the question by the time you finish. Yeah. She writes like 800 word yes. like, piece of prose mm. um, so she, and um, Viv, Viv Grosskop over at the pool mm-hmm. who's uh, the pool obviously being my alma mater mm-hmm. um, she does amazing work as well with her podcast and um, I think but I think in terms of like why Jane is an agony and what I really wanted to like communicate was um, uh, the all these people who have like incredibly confident like almost Patronuses online mm. um like I always have to remind myself because I use Twitter quite a lot like more than I should and there are so many people who are on my feed and like they're so sure of themselves and they're so sure of their opinions and they're so sure of like you know Corbyn and Brexit and like and mm. like they're, they're so correct and they call everybody else like garbage if they disagree with them and I go oh my god I wish I could be this sure about myself about anything about any of my opinions and then I click on their profile and they're 20 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's like oh you're just doing this because you're so scared yeah. everywhere else in your life and you're just you need a place to feel like strident mm. and this is your place for doing that mm-hmm. and it's the same with trolls I think right when when they abuse like women online I think lots of people use online spaces to feel confident and in control mm-hmm. I think that's what Jane uses Jolly yeah yeah there was that amazing story of about Lindy West confronting yes. the troll and yeah and it ended again he'd been calling her She's a sort of feminist activist and writer, and he'd been talking about calling her fat and stuff. And it yeah, turned out yeah. that he was, yeah, incredibly insecure about his own weight and his relationship with women. And Completely. And he was, yeah. he like um, made a fake profile of her dead father yeah. and started tweeting her or yeah, something. It was yeah. like hideous. Yeah. And then, he, then you just like this lonely man, this lonely sad yeah. man who's a problem with women and doesn't know why, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was an amazing sort of confrontation. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, as far as I know, you don't actually have an online advice column. Maybe you have told me that, but, um, or you're keeping that under wraps. But, um, but to celebrate the pub- publication of the novel, um, we thought it'd be fun to oh actually, yeah, pose some questions. So, so we've had some questions uh, from people okay. online and in the office. Um, now, like um, for clarity, mm. so Jolly is occasionally sincere, but mostly biting. Okay. <laughs> so, should I be sincere or biting? Um, Jeez. All right. Okay. Yeah. Let's see how where the wind takes us. Okay. Then. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So this first one's quite long, actually. Um, I'm about to, dear Jolly. I'm about to move in with my boyfriend, and it's the first time I've lived with a partner. 
My problem is my boyfriend's flat is just low-key grubby all the time. I want our home to look nice, but I also don't want to be the only one cleaning or do the emotional labor of constantly telling him to clean. It's frustrating that I even have to think about this when most adults just do this stuff out of habit. All feels very gendered and determined not to fall in the trap of taking cleaning on as my responsibility because that's, quote, easier. It's worth pointing out my boyfriend doesn't expect me to do this or worry about any of this. He does clean up badly when I'm staying at his. <laughs> he just genuinely isn't as bothered about living in film as me. Please help in love with a grot bag. And I'm sure no other women are in this no, situation. No, no one ever experienced this in their lives. No, not at all. Um, yeah, no, this is your life, sorry. <laughs> like, you're like, I mean, there's this whole thing about how you can't change people and you certainly can't change men. And um, you can't. And especially when it comes to people's habits, it is so hard to change. And also, um, like, I have this problem where I have an incredibly heightened sense of smell. And I also have a dog. So I will like yell at my boyfriend all the time being like, our house smells of piss all the time. And he's like, no, it really doesn't. And um, I think it's incredibly difficult to get other people's standards to meet your own. So I think you either have to accept you live in a slightly shit place. Yeah. Or um, get with somebody else. Um, uh, I think there definitely is a compromise to be reached somewhere. Like, I hate to be the person that says, like, oh, do a chore wheel. Don't do a chore wheel. Um, because that only breeds resentment and passive aggression, mm. always. Um, but, like, if you can give him just, like, just like one thing that he can, like, accept mm. responsibility for, you know what I mean? One little, mm. one little mm. corner mm. <laughs> that he can take pride in, maybe. And maybe you could do that thing with, like, a Pavlov's dog type thing where you, like, can condition him where every time he does something, you can, yeah. like, ring a bell and then, like, a, like a lint like chocolate a, appears. Yes. <laughs> so your options, in sum, are either accept that your life is going to be slightly grotty forever. Mm-hmm. And to, for the record, I've lived with a man for, like, two and a half years. And I lived with another partner before that. That's kind of the deal with men, mm-hmm. mostly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, hate to be gendered, but it is. Um, so that's your first option. Get used to it. Or B, psychological conditioning. Yeah, C, training, yeah. Yeah, live with other women in a convent and be happy forever. <laughs> be happy Great in a world idea. of, like, soft furnishings. Like, I have these two friends who have recently gone through big breakups and now they live together. And every day they just bring home new throw pillows and hug <laughs> each other. <laughs> women can be dirty too. Just <laughs> no offense to any of my previous families. Yeah. Um, okay, in love with a grot bag. I hope that helps. Um, yeah, sorry, in love with a grot bag. <laughs> okay, this is a very different one and very short. Dear Jolly, is it weird that I love to watch episodes of TV series in a random order for the challenge? I love this, like for the challenge. Like, just so, so is it like she watches like an episode of like The Good Wife or whatever and she tries, like, oh god, is this poster pre will dying or whatever? I guess, whatever. So, yeah, spoiler. <laughs> <And she> just, <laughs> it's so old now. Um, so then she's just like trying to work it out and be like, oh, where am I? Um, I mean, it's not a bad thing. It does sort of uh, suggest that she's like needs a kind of a mental stimulation mm. she's possibly not getting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try to get a promotion at work. Yeah, <laughs> right? It sounds like you know, where other people would just do Sudoku or something. Mm. She's like, no, I'm going to watch like Game of Thrones out of order. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone needs a hobby and that's fine. But like, I feel like... It's because you're you got this thing of like it's a mental task and it also involves like creativity and art mm. because she obviously relates to art very much. It feels like there's like a gap in her life where maybe creativity is supposed mm. to be. Good answer. And she's just like 
playing with other people's art because she's kind of not ready to make her own. Yeah. So maybe she wants to write something. Maybe she's got like a little desire mm-hmm. she's suppressing here. Or he, who knows. Um, I'm sure men write diagonal end columns too. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that would be my advice. I'd say maybe question what you're feeling here. And uh, the one piece of advice that everyone hates getting, which is draw, like join a life drawing class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that. Uh, <laughs> I guess the number one thing of like the like oh so you're moving to London yeah. join a life drawing class or a book club <laughs> good advice I think yeah. um, okay this this is one uh, I have to say we're in an open plan office so this is a very um, apt question mm. dear Jolly do you have any tips for surviving noise pollution hashtag open plan uh, hashtag open plan um, yeah I've had I've worked in open plan offices most I think only offices are open plan now right like uh, I, I don't know anybody who like has their own office except for like one lawyer I know. <laughs> um, um, and yeah, you can be passive aggressive. Obviously, you can do that thing where you just like shove in your earphones mm-hmm. like really hard, and uh, everyone's like, "Oh God, what's her problem?" And then like people will kind of listen to you for like people will like obey you for like a minute, and then they'll go back to just talking a lot. But I think what you should do is like you should spread a rumor that there is going to be redundancy soon. <laughs> Okay. And so you you want to create some kind of a internal gossip rumor that makes yeah. everybody be on Slack all the time. Yeah. So they're not talking as much. They're just like okay. ferociously and paranoidly talking about who's getting made redundant. That's really, really good <laughs> advice. Very grown-up advice. Um, well, this kind of goes into the next question, which is, Dear Jolly, help. I'm always so pessimistic and expect the worst to happen. What can I do? <laughs> I actually got this question on Twitter first. And uh, I noticed that she works uh, in, in books. Um, you're correct to be pessimistic. <laughs> like, I've talked to so many friends who work in the book industry. And uh, like this friend who works in, in, in sales in another um, publishing house. And he said, you have to remember that like everybody who's working on your book is doing it because they love it. And not because they think it'll make money. <laughs> Because most books just don't, unless they're like a supermarket like romance yeah. or like a big splashy crime thriller. Most books don't make that much money, yeah. and uh, and and you know it's it's probably correct to be pessimistic. <laughs> Plan for every disaster, and uh, you will quickly float to the top of this industry. <laughs> get your uh, yeah, get your sort of box of food just in case there's a hurricane. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Be a planner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My parents have. Boxes. No way. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Well, they live in the States. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Seems prudent. <laughs> Last one is um, sort of actually more related to the first question. Um, this has always been my worst nightmare. My partner is allergic to fur, but I really want a pet. Is he worth it? Oh, God. That's hard, isn't it? Mm. My question is I feel like. People who actually are statistically in our population are allergic to fur, and people who say they're allergic to fur mm. does not correspond. I feel like most people just do not want to pet, and are lying. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, do you think Stay. that? I think maybe. Um, uh, so, check whether he genuinely is allergic to fur. And also, there are like breeds of animal that produce like so little fur right so you've got mm-hmm. those weird cats that look like snakes mm-hmm. um, you've got like a greyhounds apparently I mean they're not totally a hypo- hypoallergenic but they are basically free mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's so many yeah. um, and uh, they're very very good pets basically large cats and they don't really shed they don't really have much fur and they sleep most of the day they are because the, 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 I, th- I suspect what it is is that he's, he may be a little allergic but he also doesn't want a pet mm-hmm. I suggest a greyhound 
Great. I'm, I'm all in favor of adopting greyhounds. <laughs> yeah, they're great pets. Um, well, thanks. And I think you can, you know, if you want to add to your portfolio of careers, then I think it's agony, you can add. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my business card just got longer again (laughs) Um, yeah thank you for asking for answering the questions and I think everyone who sent in a question is getting a signed copy so thanks to you for signing the books Um, and yeah if you're interested in reading Caroline's book which I hope you are now it's called Promising Young Women and it's out on the 7th of June from all good bookshops thank you so much for coming in thank you thank you for buying my book Listeners, dear listeners. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of the Virago Books Podcast. I hope you'll join us again in a month's time for our next episode for more books, readers, writers, and conversation. In the meantime, please keep in touch and tell us what you think on Twitter at Virago Books or on Facebook at Virago Press.